What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about setting with sinners evangelism in this age. This is kind of a theme. You can tell I've been thinking about this. Uh, we've had conversation yesterday about the Overton window, the shifting middle, the morality of this world. And in the 1980s, there were things that it would be unspeakable to unthinkable, rather, to speak in the public open forum, and now they are commonplace. How do Christians respond? Well, I, let me tell you this. This is a this is a, a realization that I had, and I, to be quite frank, it was a realization I had because of another live stream that I did. Uh, look, iron sharpens iron, and I really appreciate the live streams and the feedback that I get from you all and the comments because it gets me to thinking as well. And one of the things that I thought of, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So I'm going to, I want to explain this in, um, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm thinking about nature abhors a vacuum. And this is, this should be a, a call to Christians that you cannot remain silent. We have to step up. We cannot as one old gospel preacher said years ago and probably continues to say, we cannot sit down on our bum of do nothing, prop up our feet of do less, and lean back our elbows of apathy. Lean back on our elbows of apathy. We have to step up. We have to be salt and light. And think about salt. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the feet of men. Folks, what they would do with salt in the long ago, uh, salt wasn't refined like it was now. It would actually lose its savor. It had an expiration date. And if the salt lost its saltiness, they would use it as gravel for the paths uh, during inclement weather, and, and they would walk on it because that's all it was good for because it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't affect anything around it. Salt preserves. Salt heals, salt flavors. So we need that. And if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, the people are not warned. The wicked people are still going to die, but their blood will God require at the watchman's hand. Folks, we've got to step up. Uh, nature abhors a vacuum. What's going on, Robert Leedy, Terry Crooks? Uh, Jason, or hold on a second. Brandon Wild is here. Jewel Pender, good morning, saints and others. And then, of course, John Exum. Good to see everybody. And the Sword and Pearl is here. What Have I missed comments? What's going on? Okay, no, I didn't miss very many. Um, you have to bear with me. I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I am experimenting with different positions and different ways to set up my desk. I need, I think I need a way. Whoops. Right. Bear with me just a second. Right there. 
hope we're still good. That gets that cable up just where I, it's not messing with me. Now, what I've been seeing, and this is what got me going down this path, there is a call amongst young people to go back to, I don't know if it's Judeo-Christian values, but they know that subjective morality and subjectivism and social justice is not the way. I think young people have seen it. That's why in the United States of America, that's why Donald Trump is polling so high amongst uh, the younger generations. This is the first time politically that this, is, that this has ever happened. Uh, usually young people are a little bit more naive, a little bit more na- uh, um, idealistic. And so they, they poll or people, politicians who promise free stuff and social justice and, and stuff like that. They poll a little. They poll much better with young people, but for the first time in "quote unquote" history, whatever that's supposed to mean, uh, it's different, and I like it. But Christians need to step up. Why? Because there's a vacuum, and it is seen in the "quote unquote" battle of the sexes. Okay, so you've got men and women. You've got feminism. You've got uh, feminism calling. calling any kind of masculinity toxic, but these young people are saying, well, wait a second, maybe it's not good if, if, if men biologically are predisposed and hardwired to be attracted to a woman who is young, reproductively viable, and sexually pure, then maybe it's not a good thing for a woman and, and, and for those of you that are listening, I'm going to say a very kind of crude term. So cover your kids' ears. Maybe it's not good for a young woman, to for society to put their stamp of approval and reward young women for going through what is commonly referred to as a hoe phase. Okay? Now, the problem is, if we don't step up and fill that vacuum with Judeo-Christian values, with the teachings of Christ, with the teachings of chastity and living for a higher cause. In other words, listen, it's good that you have decided I'm not going to be promiscuous. I'm not going to just lay down with any dog of a man that comes along. But we have to replace that with something else. It's good for the men to say, you know what? I'm going to be very selective in my courtship partners. I'm going to be very selective. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after a certain type of woman that holds these um, values of being chaste. But if we don't put the metaphysical in there, in other words, it's not just enough for young people to say, well, we're just not going to have sex or we're not going to, um, we're going to be very selective. We have to add something to it or else hedonism raises its ugly head. And there are two solutions to this kind of gender war in Western culture. Um, Right now, hedonism is, in my opinion, winning out over Christian values. Listen, the answer to the gender war is Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, for he also died for them. Wives, 
submit to your husbands as you would unto the Lord. Men want respect and ad- respect and admiration. Women want love as in to be taken care of, to be secure, to not have to worry about things. So that's why it's so important to have a woman who's a Proverbs 31 woman, and it's so important to have a man who will be a man and actually lead the way he's supposed to lead and to dwell with his wife in knowledge. But if we don't teach that, then hedonism is just going to take over and you'll have what is starting to transpire today where you will have about um, 80% of the women being involved with 20% of the men. Jewel Pender says that's because of the influence of Satan has a hold on them. Some people has allowed idolatry of things in the world to be first over God. Absolutely. Now, the, the reason I'm going down this road is, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. If, if the young people are backing off and saying this is not working, well, what are they going to find? Well, guess what? Hedonism in this way does work to us to a, to a point. I mean, if you have a if you have several women who are in relationship in a relationship with one high value man that's that's like in the olden days you have a king or a very rich man and he has a harem and and it works on a very how do i put this it works on a secular level but we don't want to do that. We don't want to go back to that route. We need to transcend. The Bible calls us to be something more. So we need to teach one man, one woman for life. It's so funny with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, the left wing of our political bird kind of come to the realization like they rediscovered marriage again. These women who were fighting so hard for the right to kill their babies, whenever Roe versus Wade was overturned, they were protesting in the street and they were taking to social media and saying, well, we're just going to stop having sex with men. We're not going to have sex with, uh, with men unless we have some kind of contract that says that they're going to take care of the mama and the baby for life. And I'm like, well, congratulations. You have rediscovered marriage. That's God. You don't, that's, that's God's standard. You don't engage in those kind of activities unless you have some kind of assurance that you're going to be taken care of. The man, the woman, the woman, the man, it's, it's a social construct between a man and a woman. That's what marriage is. And if we don't step up and we don't start doing something and we don't start offering something different, then Satan is going to say, I don't care Hedonism is just fine. Satan wants us to have our best life now. He wants to focus on the physical. Satan will give us a very, very good physical life. And that's probably one of the most dangerous things that Satan does is he gives people very, very good physical lives, very good secular lives. Matthew 12, 43, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through an arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left and bring back seven others. And so unless you 
unless you put a pure spirit where that impure spirit was purged or from where that impure spirit was purged, that's exactly right. The impure spirit's going to come back seven times worse. Now, there's some, some I, I don't think there's literal, well, it's not that I don't think. Theologically speaking, there's not literal spirits, demons that are possessing people today. But if you don't conceptualize it like that right there, then what you're doing is there's these, these young people, the spirit of promiscuity, this evil spirit, impure spirit of sexual promiscuity and instant gratification is coming out of them. And if, and if Christians don't step up and insert a pure spirit of chastity and holiness and sanctification and living for other instead of self, living for God instead of self, you know, in the marriage, one man, one woman for life, then an impure spirit, will that, that same impure spirit of promiscuity will come back, but it will be disguised as something really, really good and much better than promiscuity. It's in the form of hedonism. And God has no pleasure in wickedness. He is calling us to obey. It's not only killing babies and whatever our sins that others are doing. It's what other, yeah, absolutely. Facebook user says, yes, preach it, brother. I appreciate that. Let me tell you something. I'm dead serious. If, you, if, if, you, if you're looking for some real good sermon outlines and some good sermons to preach, read the Bible. There's, it's full of good material. I promise you. Uh, but I appreciate that. I didn't even think about that verse from Matthew 12. That's such a good verse for this. That, that it, Nature abhors a vacuum. Now, I've spent way more time on this than I intended, but that's okay. It, it's 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 good to lay this foundation. Um, for instance, if if you're an alcoholic, you it's not enough just to give up booze. You got to put something else in its place. The outdoors and the mountains for the youth. Brandon Wild. Let me tell you something. I don't know who said it, but they's a lot smarter than me. They said the biggest and this was back in like two thousand five or six that I heard this. The biggest problem with this generation is that is we are one two is we are one generation removed from the family farm. It's like we we have forgotten we've forgotten what it takes to live in society. We've forgotten what it takes we've forgotten how difficult and terrible this world is. Satan has made everything so easy that we've forgotten. And I, I think, let me tell you something. Now, now that I'm kind of thinking down this road, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Folks, let me tell you something. The greatest lie, the greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled is convincing the world he didn't exist. I'm not sure I believe that. I think the greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled was convincing someone that they have plenty of time. But the second greatest trick that the devil ever, ever pulled was giving people comfort in this world you know i dabbled a little bit in working cattle and stuff like that i was not a cowboy i was a horse trainer okay but because you can't be a horse trainer without dealing with cows a little bit i helped people on a cattle farm and stuff like that and we would move a herd of cattle from one pasture to the other well you can't just go and open up a gate and the cows move you know why 
because there's good green grass right here. We're fine. There's green grass. There's water. There's shelter. Why would we move over there? You know what you have to do to a herd of cows to make them move from one pasture to another? You got to go put a little pressure on them. You got to make it less comfortable here than there. Um, you can take a horse and you can keep a horse in a feedlot with just a few wire strands if you keep that joker fed and watered and in good shelter. Now, if you don't keep the if if you take away feed water shelter, in other words, if you put if you make it uncomfortable in that feedlot for that horse, you just about can't keep him in with 20 foot walls. I, I promise you, I, I've, I've never seen an, an animal quite like a horse in this. Anyway, I was reminded by bro, by a brother that people don't believe in hell. They don't. Well, I say they don't. Many people do not. Uh, John Exum, return, O Yahweh. Uh, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. For there is no remembrance of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? Uh, Generation Alpha, born 2010 and onwards are unable to read and write. They're called iPad kids because that's what they all had to do. That's what they all do and know. That's it. And uh, oh, there was there was another um, there was another comment. Satan loves an empty heart, and he fill and he will fill it with evil quickly. Absolutely. Jewel, uh, Jewel, uh, sword and per Jewel, thank you for your comments. But this, this Matthew 12, I'm looking at, I'm, let me tell you, that verse made the podcast that that's, yeah. If, if, if you purge yourself or, or somebody purges you, whatever, how it works and you purge yourself of an evil spirit, if you don't, if you don't fill that up with something, that spirit's going to come back seven times worse. It sure is. That's good stuff. We could just—I'm not going to, but we could just about stop here. Matthew twelve, yeah, jewel, uh, the sword and pearl. Matthew twelve. Give me just a second. I'll find it and I'll put it back up. Matthew twelve forty three. Yeah, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and it does not find it. Then it says, "I'm going to return to the house that I left," and it brings back seven others. Well, here's the thing. If there's no room in the house, it won't find any rest in that house anyway. Is there any truth? Oh, boom, 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 boom. Is there any truth to people not seeking the Lord until they run into adversity, illness, etc.? Uh, yes. Now it's not so. There, there's there's two words I want you to be aware of: axiom and maxim. Let me illustrate axiom. Axiom is something that is a, a, a phrase or a statement that is true in every situation, in every scenario, in every context. For instance, I think about weight loss. I think about accounting. It's, it's all the same. If your outcome, if your outgo is more than your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. If you want to lose weight, you need to burn off more calories than you take in, and you'll shrink. If you want to make money, you need to uh, take in more money than you have going out, and you will make money. Um, that's an axiom. That's axiomatic. 
A maxim is a general truth. Like, for instance, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's Proverbs 28.1. Haven't you ever seen any wicked people that were bold? Have you seen righteous people that were timid? So this is a general truth. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Have you not seen children, whenever they grow into adulthood, depart from the way they were trained? So it's 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 an it's a maxim. It's a it's a general truth. Well, there 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 is. It is true. Generally, people do not seek the Lord until they run into adversity. Them cows will not leave the pasture until they until the conditions are adverse to their comfort. That's why whenever whenever we would go on door knocking campaigns and stuff like that to help congregations, I want you to send me to the slums. I want a door knock where I can hear gunshots. Brandon Wilde said that was me. I'm assuming from the context he didn't seek the truth until he ran to adversity or illness or something to that effect. Uh, Jewel Pender says, yes, whenever I ask, do you know Christ, do you know people who are righteous, who are timid, and people who are unrighteous that are bold? You know, it's a, it's a general truth. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got, I'm not going to say who it is. It's a person that's very close to me in my life. They are related to me. And they were kind of just on the fringe of Christianity until they had a scare, a health scare. And they had to come face to face with their own mortality. Now they're a deacon in the Lord's church. Funny how things change just like that. Good morning, Facebook user Ben Grady. Too many are like the frog in the slowly boiling water. You got that right. And Brandon Wilde again said, that is me. Yeah, cool. All right. So the answer to your question, Scott, is... Generally, yes. Um, you 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 you've got to have well um the kind of Bashan. Somebody help me out. Was it Amos that talked about the 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 Jewish leadership and their ivory towers setting up there like kind of Bashan, which is a way to call them fat cows? Look, it's very, very hard to get people who are greatly blessed by the God of this world to follow the God of heaven and suffer. So again, we've got we've got to do something else. There is, and I, I think it's something like the Hotel of Outcast or something like that. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I, I was listening to Tim Poole talk about it, and I loved what Tim Poole said. I was like, look, um, I don't see where this is a problem. In other words, I don't think Amazon Prime looked at this uh, content and said, ooh, this content is anti-Christian, so we're going we're gonna to promote it because they also, Amazon Prime promotes um, the story about the, uh, about the agent who uh, busted up and saved all those busted up those pedophile rings and saved all those children? Uh, now I can't think of the movie. Anyway, um, but he, he's saying, look, it's it's just content. Uh, Amazon is going to 
offer things for sale that people want to buy. They're, they're a worldly company, so they're, they, they, it doesn't matter to them. And Christians, if, if you don't like this, then you need to step up and engage in the culture and make something better that is pro-Christian. My, sadly, my, my concern is um, Christians will never step up and produce good content because they pearl clutch too much and there's too appear to they're too worried about appearing sanctimonious. In other words, a, a, a group of Christians with unlimited access to money could never tell an engaging story about the conquering of sound of freedom, Scott Beck. Thank you so much. Um, most Christians could never tell a good, compelling story like Sound of Freedom because they would they would say, Well, we can't have people in our movies that cuss and i'm like well then you just can't tell a story based in reality if you cannot have evil characters shown in your movies depicting them doing evil things you're not going to tell i mean art is supposed to imitate real life and real life is if you're going to tell this story it's sinful and ugly and dirty and the story of good triumphing over evil you have to show the evil so you can properly and adequately explain how important it was for the good to triumph over it. If you don't believe me, go read the Old Testament and think about how these scenes that are narrated would play out in a movie. Those, those stories, if they are told with the same fidelity as which they are written in Scripture, would be R-rated if you told them properly. But I don't think, I don't think Christians ever do that. So you got to think of other things to do. You've got to step up and engage with culture. If we don't step up and engage with culture, a culture, uh, we are going to miss out on this cultural shift of people leaving these these impure things. But if we don't watch it, this spirit is going to come back and 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 inhabit the same generations. But it's going to be seven times worse. We've got to engage in culture. I've got some notes here that we're going to get into. Um, you know what? I really need this over there. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to figure something out. Anyway, um, where is my deal at? Yeah. So let let's talk about. It. I've got four, five, one, two, three, four. Yeah. So what what about engaging in the culture or evangelism in this modern age? Let me get some comments here. You know, brother Tony. Hold on a second. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, there, Jewel. There was a there was a typo there that had me thrown off, and I was anyway. You, you, you know, brother Tony, we talk, 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 but are we listening? Absolutely. If we are listening, Sister Jewel Pender, these younger generations are telling us. We're worn out from all of this stuff that's not fulfilling us. All of this LGBT plus AAIP, QRAP. Uh, well, that may have been a Freudian slip. Anyway, two-spirit stuff, the feminism, the all of this stuff. We're worn out. It's not fulfilling. 
So now we're going to be based, B-A-S-E-D. That's, that's a cultural term. Well, what is based? Well, I'm going to, as a woman, I'm going to be a trad wife. I'm going to, I'm going to remain celibate until I'm married or I'm, I'm going to remain celibate for as long as I can until I find me a, a good high value man. The man says, you know, I'm going to remain celibate or at least as much as I can. And I'm going to find me a woman that I can take care of and I'm going to dedicate my life to her. Well, if, if we, if we don't, and, and that's in this physical realm. That's the physics. If we don't add to that the metaphysics, then we are falling into the trap of this impure spirit has left this generation. But if we don't fill that void with the metaphysics of Christ, then that impure spirit is going to come back to that house with seven more, and it's going to be seven times worse. Good morning, Wayne Vaughn, the sword and pearl. The war stories in the Bible are epic, absolutely. And could you imagine, like, uh, I think about 2 Kings, and it's I, help me out with a chapter. I think it's 6, 7. There were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. They looked at one another and said, why sit we here and die? If we go to the Assyrians, we might not die. They might spare us. But if we stay here, we're for sure going to die. Well, this was... This is in a this is in a, a context of the siege is so bad they're eating babies. It's so bad, you know. Again, if, if we take all of this and, and we look at those stories in the Old Testament and we and we translate them to uh, you know like a like an eight part uh, mini series on Amazon Prime, it would be R rated. But it would be injecting culture, it would be injecting positivity and metaphysics into a culture that desperately needs it. I'm not saying that we, there's nuance to what I'm saying. Please don't leave this live stream, which some people do. They, They leave the live stream and they take things that I say out of context and I've, it's, it's going around that. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just it's rough, so don't do that. I'm not saying that we need to make a story where we go out of our way to be filthy and dirty. I'm just saying Christian, Christians with money need to step up and start culture jamming and, and affecting the culture in such a way that, that we tell stories that, that accurately depict real life. And it's dirty. It's when I say dirty, it's not dirty like in a sexual way. It's just dirty like filthy. It's uh, it's gritty. It's dirty. It's 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 rough. To your point, how will we know Jezebel was so evil if not explained to us in the Word? Absolutely. And think about if we if we made that story of Elisha, Elijah, uh, uh, and the four hundred prophets of Baal. Jezebel going after him and stuff like that. And then look at how she ended up. Dogs ate the Christians. Or dog, sorry, dogs ate the body of Jezebel, did, did they not? You know, and I mean, I, you, you, could, you can tell these stories without going off the deep end, but you have to adequately show the, the, the depravity and the and the sinfulness of these of these sinful people. Um, 
I don't believe you have to use four-letter words in every other word in a movie to get a point across as they do today. I have stopped watching many a movie because they were so filthy languaged. Like, I'm with you, and that's a perfectly fine scruple to have. Um, but again, the, the reason these stories don't resonate, like, for instance, think about all of the stories. Um, you've got John Wayne and the Leathernecks. Um, you have a, a young upstart soldier that makes a mistake that almost gets a bunch of people killed. And the guy is get the, the, the man in charge is addressing this young man that made this mistake. And it sounds like something you would hear in a, in a Sunday morning congregation, you know, and it just, it doesn't hit hard today like it did back then. Now, I'm not saying that that Christians need to make content where like there, there's a difference in using language that is quote-unquote curse words just for the sake of using language that is quote-unquote curse words. But I, I, want, I want to wrinkle your brain here, and I want you to think of something. Using the language that people speak in order to show realism in a story makes that story resonate in such a way that it can't otherwise. In other words, Lifetime movies puts out stories that have to do with war and stuff like that from time to time. They don't typically do as well as, let's say, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan was an epic, and it would not have done as good if it was, I hate to use the word whitewash, help me out, if it was, if it was, if it was run through the filter of the scruples of some of the more scrupulous Christians. Like we need to see what these men were doing and how they actually reacted. And and that's, that's all. So this is a matter of judgment. It's a matter of scruple. And I'm just saying that epic storytelling that changes a culture has got to push the envelope and it's got to be real. If it's not, it's, it's, it's going to fall flat. That's why the Bible I mean, think about think about making a movie in some of the Psalms, uh, 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 from some of the Psalms. Think about making the movie of, um, I don't know. I'm, well, now I can't remember. Uh, who was it that drove the, the tent stake through a man's head? I mean, that's, that's rough. Passion of the Christ was rated R. Absolutely. For the massive amount of gore. Look, you cannot impact. And I, I think some of my, I, again, this is the problem of speaking generally. Some of you, will, this, what I'm about to say will not resonate with some of you because this is not your experience. But many of our brethren missed out on the opportunity 
that we that was just dropped in our lap with Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. People were coming out of the theater weeping. Well, we need to capitalize on that. I'm not saying that we manipulate people and their emotions to obey the gospel. But we need to capitalize on that. And yeah, I understand that it, it's it's stomach turning and gut wrenching. But anyway, something to think about. And and that's what I'm talking. It's a good example. Mel Gibson adequately you you used enough realism to adequately convey the gravity of the situation. All right. And and again, I I don't believe you have to use four-letter words in every other word in a movie. You do not. In fact, if you overly use four-letter words, then it makes those words meaningless. So if I'm a Christian and I'm going to make a story about a young kid growing up in Appalachia that's dirt floor poor, I'm going to include some pretty rough stuff and I'm going to include some pretty rough languages language. And I'm going to include some scenes where there's got some pretty rough things happening in it. People today will judge others for genuine emotion. Look at David in the Psalms. Look at um, Jesus in John 11. There's nothing wrong with genuine emotion. And unlike John Wayne, grown men do cry. You got that right. And I don't have a problem with blood and gore. It's the F word all the time. I can't stand. There's passion. The passion was a great movie. First one I've seen that stayed as close to the Bible as it did. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. And it's the point I'm making. And I am not arguing with you. I do not like, again, if you just throw in these cuss words, and I'm saying, quote, unquote, and I go, who really knows what a cuss word is? Who gets to decide, you know? Um, but the point is, if you just throw these words in there and it's nothing and it's just for whatever, then you're just using it for shock value. It adds nothing to the story and it makes, makes those F words. It makes those cuss words meaningless. But like I said, if I'm, if I'm crafting a story that uh, of a young child growing up dirt floor poor in Appalachia in my movie, you're going to hear some F bombs. You're going to hear some GDs. You're going to hear some, you're going to hear the language that the people around that kid and sometimes that kid would use. But then you're going to see that character development. And then by the third act, he, you're going to see how he has grown up and he has adopted the cause of Christ. And you're going to see that change in him. And you're going to see him deal with that and perhaps you know, I, I don't know what the end of the movie would be, but it would be his character development. Hillbilly Elegy does a real good job of this. He, and I, I don't often talk about what I watch because it's so controversial. Uh, you got a hundred different people who profess Christ, and they're going to be a hundred different people, and 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 there, there's going to be a hundred different levels of scruple. Um, I have. I, the, the the word hunk I think is a typo. I have blank sometimes cuss words are used because they don't have good knowledge of the oh I think sometimes cuss words are used because they don't have a good knowledge of the English language. Perhaps um, I think that might be a tad bit judgmental. 
um, because I know some very, very eloquent, highly educated people who have a very good grasp of the English language and are very articulate, but in the moment, and, and they have no moral consternation about this whatsoever. They don't even profess to be Christians. Uh, they need a choice expletive that drops like a hammer. And so they decide to use one of those words. So it's not always that they, and, and but you said it sometimes. You said, I think, sometimes. And and that is 100% true. 100% true. So, yeah, I pushed back when I had no need to push back. So I'm sorry I turned into that. Well, actually, I don't want to be the well, actually guy. Um, all right. I really appreciate y'all. I think I've I think what you've allowed me to do here with your comments, you've allowed me to order my thoughts in this. I think I think my thoughts were were somewhat chaotic in this way, but I think I've ordered them. Well, I don't think they're ordered well, but they are more orderly now than what they were, um, and all that good stuff. And look, don't leave the live stream saying that Tony says Christians ought to cuss in order to be evangelistic. It's not what I'm saying. In fact, you better not cuss in order to be evangelistic because what you're saying is that, well, there's no standard and we can be just like you. Like you don't, you don't, the, 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 the prodigal son's daddy did not waller in the mire with the pigs. The prodigal son's daddy kept himself separate. The movie Fury with no four, four excuse me, the movie Fury with no four letters would not be that good. Brandon Wilde, I am not I am not familiar with that movie. And and Jewel Pender, God forbid, yes, please don't leave the live stream saying that I'm I'm condoning being I, I'm not even condoning being vulgar in our speech. I'm just simply trying to look at reality. So anyway, I really appreciate all of the conversation that I've had about this, I feel like this live stream has helped me more than it's helped y'all. Um, so all of that to say, I think, oh, hold on a second. We need to do whatever we can to share God's word. I've been told I have more people to read. Hold on a second. Boop. Let me get that so it don't jump. Um, we need to do whatever we can to share God's word. I've been told I will have more people to reject God than obey. I'll take it. At least I shared Jesus with them. That's the position I've taken. It happens. It happened to me last year in Belize. I taught my heart out to a fallen away Christian, and one that obeyed has fallen away also. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's rough. You know, we need to we need to have that attitude, Jewel. We really, really do. All right. Quickly, let me, let me go over these four things. Um, but I do want to, I do want to, so check out the Amen Jewel. Absolutely, Brandon. All right, uh, Luke 6, verse, let's see. Well, 20, 28. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, 
Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Most folks don't want to die to self and put on Christ. That is a true statement. So Jesus sat with sinners. Now, he didn't sit with sinners in order to sin with them. In fact, Psalm 1 would be a good chapter to read. When I say chapter, it's six verses. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Jesus did not sit with sinners in order to participate with them. Jesus did not sit with sinners in order to make them more comfortable in their sin. Jesus did not compromise the truth that he might gain people. Paul became all things to all people. He did not compromise one iota of God's word and will in order to gain some. Okay? Let's get that straight right now. That's I'm not saying we compromise. What I am saying is we got to find a way to engage with the culture. And we have a unique opportunity at this moment whenever this generation of young people are saying there's a void and we're trying to fill this void. If we sit back on our behind of do nothing, lean back on our elbows of do less and prop up our feet of I don't care, then that spirit that they excised is going to come back seven times stronger. So let's 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 participate in engagement over isolation. It is tempting to sequester ourselves as Christians and to stay in our own little bubble. But we need to act, we need to engage actively with contemporary culture every chance we get, but without compromising biblical truths, understanding that relating to people's context, struggles, questions, and worldviews through biblical relationships and meaningful conversations. It needs to be just like Jesus' interactions with Zacchaeus. There was a chief tax collector. He was a wee little man. He climbed a tree to see Jesus. This demonstrates active engagement leading to transformation. Remember, Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 22, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, John three seventeen. Jesus didn't come to condemn Folks, they were already condemned. That's the thing. Zacchaeus was already condemned. Jesus transformed him. Whenever we go out and we meet people, we see people on the street, and we see people living in sin, they're already condemned. We don't need to do that. We need to show them a better way. They're already empty inside. We need to fill them up with Jesus. So we don't need to sequester I'm telling you, the, the, more, the more I think about this and the longer we go up here in Canada, 
the more that I'm thinking about seeing what I can do to try to start uh, uh, some kind of Addictions Anonymous or something like that meeting at the Riverview Church of Christ. Now, I know the kind of people we're going to get. I know the kind of language they're going to use. I won't be pearl clutching, folks. I'll just give them a safe space and let them talk. And by and by, if if they stick with the program, if they uh, they they can be they can they can be helped with their addiction and stuff like that, by and by they'll they'll be influenced. But we got to remain rocks. Jewel Pender, thank you. I sometimes can't explain myself when I say that I'm not going to hang out with those out of Christ to succumb to their ways. I'll only do it as Christ do or did. I'm not going to apologize because my life is spent around Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And again, though we we have to go and we, we have to engage in this culture. All right. And remember, these people, they they they're, they're condemned. They they know they're they already they have an understanding of their their plight and their situation. It's not up to us to condemn them. That's already happened. It's up to us through the power of God's word to change them. So we need to be a model of compassion and inclusion. All right. Absolutely. So many people need help. Absolutely. All right. So we need to show compassion and love to all. Maintaining a clear stance on biblical truths. And we need to do that in order to foster meaningful discussions about faith. You know, if somebody comes up, it was some, nobody's going to come up and tell you this, but if you have developed a relationship with somebody and they, they confess unto you that they have this particular sin that is, well, let's just say it's very far outside the Overton window, are you going to be grossed out and leave them alone? Or are you going to be understanding of them? Well, the encounter with the woman caught in adultery, John 8, 1 through 11, where Jesus showed compassion, but he didn't condone that sin. In fact, he said, you need to get up and go and sin no more. But the sad thing is, so many do not believe that there's a heaven or a hell and don't see a need. That's, that's, why, that's why the foot in the door is to live like Jesus in this world and show them that whether heaven or hell is real or not, Jesus's way is best. We did a live stream not too long ago about why I'm a Christian. I don't care if this Bible is true or not. I don't care if God's real or not. I'm going to show people a better way because living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world is a better way to live than living without a without a moral guide, without a moral compass. Please help me to be sure I'm understanding the text. It's hard for a rich man to, in fact, in the context of that, Jewel, it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven who trust in his riches. It's impossible for the camel to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, the rich man who trusts in his riches is the camel, the eye of the needle is the path to heaven. You have to not trust your riches, and then a rich man can go into heaven. So that, that's the context of that. 
Um, so remember, this encounter with a woman caught in adultery, that was nasty. That was dirty. This, this sinful woman was brought to the very presence of God on earth. And he said, woman, where is your accusers? Uh, nobody's here to accuse me. Well, I don't accuse you either. Now get up and go and sin no more. Ephesians 4.15, we must speak the truth in love. Of the truth, I will say, why? So that we may grow up into him, into all things, which is the head, even Christ. Folks, without this truth, without this moral compassion and speaking the truth because we love the truth, which implies a love of others, then we're not going to, we're going to be isolationists. We're not going to engage with the culture. We're not going to change anybody. Think about it. All these folks out there that need a savior, that that some of my brethren kind of, well, those people are just too gross. I'm not, you can't go deal with them. They're not going to want Jesus. Well, he hath showed thee, O man, and what doth the Lord require of thee? And what is good? And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God, Micah 6, 8. Folks, it's not our job to condemn the world. The world is condemned. Let's do justice, love mercy, and let's be humble and engage with the culture. But the man wasn't. What does that say about her accusers? I'm, I can't prove it, but I think the man was there. I think the man was in the crowd. I think it was a setup. I think they set the woman up, and the woman was brought before Jesus and they were trying to set him up. I can't prove it. I don't have a book, chapter, and verse. I just think he was in the crowd. I've been wrong before, though. All right. So moral compassion, model of compassion and inclusion. Um, you know, you, you got to, sometimes people, sometimes people in the world are hard to love. Priority of mercy over ritual. Now, this is hard for us in the church of Christ because we are so focused on being correct that sometimes we forget about being holy. Now, is being correct important? Think about Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and you leave undone the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to have left the others undone. You blind guides, you strain at a gnat, and you swallow a camel. Folks, mint, anise, and cumin were little garden herbs that would be in a planter box on a windowsill. They paid a tenth of those little garden herbs. They were so meticulous, but they left undone justice, mercy, faith. We need to prioritize mercy. Look, whenever somebody of the world... Sadly, this is it shouldn't be the case. The worship service is not a tool for evangelism. If your only method of evangelism is inviting someone to church, you're doing it wrong. I'm not saying stop inviting people to church. I'm saying build a personal relationship with them and get a Bible study and convert them, and then you don't have to invite them to church. They're just going to come because they're servants of the king now. So let's talk about a modern-day application. We need to prioritize living out the gospel in practical, merciful ways, addressing physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. We need to be there for people. 
I think about the story that B.J. Clark tells uh, about his daddy uh, whenever his daddy was a young man going through some stuff, and one of the young men in the Army barracks one day, whenever his daddy quite possibly was at his lowest, looked at him and said, I believe if I were you, I'd read my Bible. Well, that's not a stamp of approval on what the man was doing, but that is a recognition of, look, you know where you are, I know where you are, and the way to be better the instructions are in the Bible. And if I were you, I'd read my Bible. And you know what he did? And you know, the rest is history. Well, listen to this in Mark two, 28 through 32. Well, let me just, let me just go there. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Mark two, starting in 23. Yeah. Mark two, 23 through 28. I think I said 32. I'm just, I'm dyslexic. All right. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and his disciples began as they went to pluck ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, behold, why do they on the Sabbath? Why do they, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered and he, and he and they that were with him? how he went into the house of our God in the days of Abithar and the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest and gave unto the, also unto them which were with him. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is Lord over the Sabbath. Now, if you don't watch it here, you'll dive head first into situational ethics. Jesus was not giving David a pass. Jesus was acknowledging the reality that the Pharisees were giving David a pass. If you can give David a pass for what he did, which was actually unlawful, then you need to give my disciples a pass for what they did, which was technically not unlawful according to the law of God. It's just unlawful according to your oral traditions that did not originate with God. Folks, we need to make sure that we're not holding the world up to our own scruples. We need to make sure we're not holding the world up to the standard of our own scruples. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't wear a hat during worship service. The only, the only passage of scripture that could be even construed to teach that would be in first Corinthians. And that's in a context that's talking about societal propriety. But Paul makes the statement, if somebody has, if somebody's contentious about it, we have no such custom, nor the churches. It was just a Corinth thing. Well, what if you have somebody come off the street? That's it, tradition. What if you have somebody come off the street? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to wear a hat and worship service Sunday because it would cause all kinds of problems. But what if you have a, what if you have somebody come off the street and they sit down on the back row and as you get up to preach or you get up to lead singing, I'm talking to the man here because I'm a man, uh, you, see a, you see a man sitting in the back pew and he's wearing a baseball cap during worship service. What do you do? Do you, do you call him out publicly and say, hey, mister, you're going to sit back here. You need to take a hat off. I put forth to you 
that if you just leave that alone, if you if you practice mercy and you prioritize mercy over tradition or ritual, then you're going to leave him alone and hopefully uh, engage with him in a way where he wants to stick around long enough to say, you know what? It is proper in this society to remove one's cover when they enter into a door, and I don't want to stand out like a sore thumb, and I don't want to harm anybody's conscience, so I'm going to pull my hat off. And you never, ever have to make him feel bad about wearing a hat in the first place. Jesus defends his disciples against them walking through a field and pulling seed pods and grabbing and eating it. It's like, that's just tradition. That's just ritual. Don't worry about that. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world, James 1.27. My brethren, we got more important things to worry about than whether or not somebody practices perfectly these traditions that we have. Let's look at this scriptural principle, Matthew 12, verse 7. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. These folks in Mark were guiltless. And if you understood, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have condemned my disciples for eating those seeds. If you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy over sacrifice, you would not have condemned that man that come in off the street that was wearing a ball cap. And how many other scenarios that are that are even more uh, that, that you can you think of besides the ball cap that you know what man these Christians I it's rough you know I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna end the show with a parable Matthew chapter four starting in verse twenty six we're gonna read. 26 through 29, and I'm going to make up my final point from this parable. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that, the full eat corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, but, but, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I put forth to you that something has gone on in this culture to shift, and I'm very, very what is referred to as white pilled. I'm very encouraged about it. And Christians have not even planted or cultivated, but we have these plants growing up. And there are people out there ready to harvest. Let's put the sickle. However, I think what happens sometimes is Christians, they go out to harvest ears of corn in fields where they've never planted, which is the height of foolishness. Here's what I mean by that. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, my name is Tony. I'm from the such and such congregation down the road. We're just canvassing the neighborhood, inviting people to our upcoming gospel meeting and trying to get Bible studies. Well, do you have any time now? Well, yeah, I could talk to you now for a little bit. All right, hold on. And he goes in the house and he comes back 
and he comes out with a bottle of beer and he's smoking a cigarette. What do you do? Do you chastise him for smoking and drinking while you're going to have a conversation with him about Jesus? Or do you understand that this man, it's normal behavior for him. He's not being disrespectful to you. And the cigarette and the beer is not his issue. The cigarette and the beer is he don't believe in heaven and hell. He don't believe Jesus died for his sins. He don't feel the need to change in order to live a life of uh, a life in heaven for eternity. I'll tell you what I did when I was faced with that on more than one occasion. I talked to him about the Bible. I talked to him about God. I planted seeds. Now, in due time, if he's a, if he's got an honest heart, that seed will grow up into a blade, then the plant, then the ear, then the then the corn in the ear, then the ear, and then you harvest him. I'm so thankful for these podcasts that you and many of the other brethren are doing. It is reaching many people who may not ever hear a gospel message. It proves good does come from the internet. Yes, I appreciate that greatly. So that's my point, folks. We cannot expect to harvest where we have not planted. We've got to get out there and plant. We've got to engage with the culture. We gotta, quite frankly, we gotta eat with the publicans and the sinners. If we eat with the publicans and the sinners, we are going to be exposed to publican and sinner things. Let's not clutch our pearls. Let's not act so sanctimonious that we feel like we can't get any of this stuff on us. Let's live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, and let's be in the world and not of the world, and let's let's take advantage of this cultural shift, and let's double down on our evangelism efforts. And that's all I've got. I thank everybody so much. I've I, again, my I've, I've been pretty busy here lately. I got to get off here, and I've got to uh, run some errands and go to town and stuff like that, and. Um, I thank you for your time. Look, you know what? Wait a second. Wait a second. We gotta. We. I've never. I haven't done the ad read. I should have done the ad read um, earlier. Let me go in here to the to the captions. And if anybody's listening to this after the fact, you've probably done tuned out. This is about as smooth as trying to pet a porcupine backwards. Are you part of a church congregation or any other institution seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. That's the preferred method. Don't miss this opportunity to have your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. And... That's it. A blue healer will keep the. Let me tell you something. Blue healers are awesome. Catahoula leopard dogs is what I used. I loved Catahoula leopard dog. In fact, Maslow, Maslow, where are you? Come here, buddy. Hey, wake up, big dude. Come here. Maslow likes to sleep. Come here. Y'all say hello to Maslow there. What's up, buddy? Yeah, I know. I know, buddy. Maslow, 
Maslow is half Catahoula, half um, half Airedale Terrier. Um, he'll he'll dig you out of the ground and eat you up. But uh, he he'd make a good cow dog. And uh, anyway, all right, I'm done with you, man. So uh, Maslow is my, I, I jokingly say he's my emotional support dog. Uh, I am his emotional support human. I promise you he goes nuts when I'm not here. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I loved Catahoula leopard dogs. A blue healer will nip at their heels and get them moving, but a Catahoula will keep them bunched up. Okay, it's, it's amazing. Anyway, I didn't, Brandon, I can't talk about that. <laughs> But it's awesome. Uh, but you're right. I, and and God forbid something happened to Maslow. Um, I wouldn't mind getting like a really good, really well-bred blue healer. Uh, but I'd want him stocky. All right. I got to get off here. God bless every one of you here. Let me do the normal stuff. Substack, you can support us for $5 a month there, or you can do a free subscription. I would ask that you would get a free subscription. And every time we put out a an article... Share it to your social media. That would help us as much as or more than money. So go to Substack, do um, enter in your email to subscribe, and then every time we put out a podcast, share the uh, share the content. Um, also, please subscribe to YouTube. It blows my mind. We get more viewers on YouTube than we do on any other place. And uh, thank you for that. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, Christianity Now Streams. But if you don't want to do any of that, but you want, you know what, Tony, I've been blessed with a little bit extra, and I want to help out what you and Aaron are doing, send it to uh, nearchurches at gmail.com. That's, that's, the, that's the Patreon. I mean, the that's the PayPal. But again, you don't have to do a $5 a month on Substack. You can do a free. But I would ask that if you do a free subscription on Substack, engage and share the share the articles they're not heavy articles they're very light um you almost you might call them sugar sugar articles i mean they're there's something that that you can share and it's it's not like it's going to be very controversial but it's it's designed to encourage and to help it's you know not not a lot of deep doctrinal truths every once in a while i'd kind of dig deep but most of the time it's just like Hey, how do we navigate this life as Christians? How do we, I, I didn't realize it, but in my tenure as the, a writer for Christianity Now, I've written three articles that are almost the same article, and it's about perseverance as a Christian. So I guess that's, maybe, maybe I just feel like that's something I need to know. But anyway, that's all I've got. God bless every one of you. And uh, we are on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio under Cogitations. And uh, you can subscribe to them. But until then, God bless every one of you. Thank you so much for what you've done for me today and helping me order my thoughts. Don't leave the stream saying I'm promoting foul language. I'm not. God bless you. And we'll catch you on the flip side.